How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Dolan. This is Sheila Dolan. This is Monica Dolan. This is Leon Dolan. News, talk, and laughs. We tackle the world one cup of coffee at a time. One cup of coffee at a time. You're listening to Satellite Sisters to Satellite Sisters to Satellite Sisters to Go. Listening to Satellite Sisters, Leanne Dolan here with my sisters, Liz Dolan in Los Angeles, Julie in Dallas. We're so excited to present another one of our best beach bag book interviews. This has been so much fun. I Leanne. know. Love talking to authors. Love talking to funny, fun authors. Uh, funny, fun female <laughs> authors. <laughs> All the F words uh, at Satellite Sisters <laughs> except one. Uh, first, we'd like to thank VTech Phones for their support of Satellite Sisters. They support us. So we ask that you support them. That wonderful laugh you hear in the background belongs to Allison Larkin. She's an author, an actress, a stand-up comedian. Her stage show, The English American, was an international hit, and now she's written a novel by the same name called The English American. And Allison, what a pleasure to have you on Satellite Sisters. Well, it's fantastic to be here. You know, I usually don't say this because I know I've heard you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. Uh, (laughs) But your book has a fantastic cover. Oh, my gosh, because it's the story of a young British woman in her 20s, Liz, who's been adopted Mm -hmm. and just decides now is the time to find her birth parents. So she's been raised by this very proper British family that enjoys Scottish dancing Uh and all sorts of proper British things. And she discovers that her mother is an American and her father was a prominent American in politics and that she has this whole other family in this whole other country with this whole other life. And so she goes off to meet her real mother in America. Aren't you intrigued? I am intrigued. What a great idea for a story, Allison. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Allison, it's pretty much your life, isn't it? Well, it it sort of is. Um, I I was adopted just like my heroine, whose name is Pippa Dunn. I was adopted into a very happy English family. And then when I was in my mid-20s, I decided that I wanted to find out the truth about the people who gave me birth and imagine my surprise when I found my birth mother living on Bald Mountain, Tennessee. Um, and I actually flew to America to meet her and as a result became a stand-up comic. Because, because of the whole that thing? moment? Yeah. That's when it well, what else to you? do you do? With yeah. my accent and that information, what else do you do? Yeah, you have to make fun of yourself and the rest mm-hmm. of the, the part of your story. I can understand that. Uh, well, it's, and then, but in the novel, what I did was 
I, I, I turned it into the kind of fiction that I like to read because I have children and as a result of which I no longer have a concentration span. Mm-hmm. So I really need books with very short chapters and you have to know what's going to happen next. So I spun it off into that kind of a fiction, but I drew from the emotional truth of, of my journey as an Englishwoman who found her birth family in the United States. And, and then I threw in some men and, and some sex. Oh, yeah, it's well, fantastic. It has it all. It's pretty much everything you need in a beach bag book then. No wonder <laughs> well, Liam selected think, it. You know, what you need, at least what I need, what I do think it does have, it has, it has Nick, who I think you might agree very sexy. is a very sexy man. I'm thinking Colin Firth is what I'm thinking. <laughs> who, who seduces Pippa by email, <laughs> and he's the fantasy man. He's the man we're convinced uh, is the soulmate. And then there's this other guy. And yeah, maybe Colin Firth. That's a great idea. Well, we think Colin Firth would be great in anything. We suggest him for he every role. He could play Pippa, actually. <laughs> he could play <laughs> Pippa. <laughs> Allison, though, your book, I mean, what makes it so great? I, I read it several months ago when it first came out and I put it aside and I said I'm going to save this for the best beach bag book oh, series. Good. I could call Allison now but that yes. would be a waste because I know that you know she's going to have something interesting to say and that this book is a great read but it's funny and it does move along at a very fast pace and you have great characters but there are really some critical essential truths about identity and yeah. motherhood and yeah. nationality and I don't want to get bogged down in that today but I love your first line where you just write, you know, everyone should be adopted. I think everyone should be adopted. That way you can meet your birth parents when you're old enough to cope with them. It's just a very (laughs) funny concept. Is that the way you felt when you sought out, like, your birth mother? Was that a joyous meeting? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I thought, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) I'm an adult. Because that means, you know, I mean, we all have mothers, do we not? Yes, we do. We all have the same mother, Alice. We all stuff at us. Some good, some not so good. Right. And when you're an adult, you can look at the person as an adult and go, okay, well, I'll take that and I'll leave that. But, of course, as a child, you can't. Right. So, actually, that's, that, that first line, it's springing from a, I mean... You know, it's a thought. <laughs> well, I think many of us have fantasies that our real parents are very fine British people with yes. excellent accents. <laughs> I, I think many Americans feel that way. And you know, they might be. You just never know. <laughs> no, I think we're pretty sure. I'm the youngest of the family, Allison, eight of us, and I was told for many years I was adopted. That's the way my brothers and sisters tortured me. But I was smart enough to know no one adopts an eighth child. <laughs> True. Yes, you know, there you've got a clue. Very good. Yep. You're right. Allison, this is Julie, and I just loved it in the book when Pippa finds it, when she hears about her father, her birth father, yeah. and she and she gets one little piece of information, and she hears that he is an American politician. Mm-hmm. So she immediately leaps to the conclusion that she must be a Kennedy, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about adoption is that, you know, if you're given nothing, which... So many adopted people are. You're given what is called non-identifying information, which means height, weight, interests, very basic medical history and background at the time of birth. When you're not given anything more than that, you will make stuff up. 
Like, what and did... actually, I did draw from my own experience with that because I knew that he was he had been a speaker and that that the form said politically ambitious. So I'm assuming politics. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course you do. I mean, I used to whisper to people, you know, with boyfriends, I'd wait until we'd actually kissed. And then I'd say, I've got a secret to tell you. I am not what I see. <laughs> I was adopted at birth and my real father is a famous politician, probably a Kennedy. And there is evidence to suggest that my real mother is none other than Emily Dickinson. <laughs> This because she was apparently very fond of poetry. <laughs> you would really make the best of it, Allison. Oh, yeah. And how did that work with the boyfriends? <laughs> you know, really well. <laughs> I was this mysterious figure. It was great. <laughs> well, it's like when people describe past lives, and they were always Cleopatra. Yeah. They were never a slave. <laughs> they were never the slave. Yeah, never the slave. No. You know, part of your book, though, I, I must have been... Um, yeah. A difficult balance to not be too didactic in your writing, because uh, like many people who have gone to search out their birth parents, I know you're trapped for years in bureaucracy. And and there's just a tiny bit bit of that in your book, but you get the picture of how hard it is to actually get the information. Did you have to sort of reel back some of the realism and, you know, trying not to be too preachy about adoption law and this and that? Well, what I wanted most of all, and the real reason I wrote it, was I wanted people to feel as they read, what it might be like for a person adopted into a really happy adoptive family to feel the need to find her birth parents and then show what she'd have to do to to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the laws in the United States, which are basically... Uh, deny adopted people access to their own birth certificates in all but six states because most adopted people's birth certificates are changed to have the adoptive parents' names. And it's very hard to find your birth parents' names. And I just wanted people to feel what that was like. But, of course, I wanted to keep it, keep it light. Um, and, and so that was, that was actually quite a challenge because I, I, think it's hurt a, I think the law has hurt the people that it was designed to protect, actually. But it was important to you, Allison, this is Liz, that you communicate that you came from a really happy family, that what was driving you to find your birth parents was not a lack of happiness or support from your adoptive parents. That is exactly right. That was key. And I I think I wouldn't be giving too much away if I let people know that, you know, that Pippa's journey, like my own, does actually end up bringing her even closer to her adoptive family. Um, but it, I think also shows why she really needs to connect with people. I mean, I certainly did. I was very different from my family. I'm very untidy. I, I tend towards a sort of unruly creativity, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And my birth parents are very similar. So to meet people like me, who walk like me, move like me, look like me, think like me, was very important to sort of validate the essence of who I was probably as a, as a writer and a performer. Mm-hmm. And it certainly helped, but um, so it was very important. But it in no way ever took away from the closeness with my adoptive family, and that's what I wanted to show with Pippa as well. But you know, it's all sort of about fantasy and reality, and you know, the fantasizing about a certain kind of man and a certain kind of love, and you think the certain kind of parent, the birth parents, finding there will answer every question that has ever been, and then of course. 
reality's never quite like that. <laughs> and that I was interested in exploring as well. Well, I think, too, the 20s, I mean, Pippa, your heroine, is in her 20s. And that's yeah. such a critical time for anybody adopted or not and yep. love or not to sort of forge their identity. I mean, particularly yeah. in that decade, you go out and you kind of reject your birth family. I rejected you people. And, um... <laughs> exactly. You reject everybody. You have to, I think, in order to grow up, don't you? And then, right. And then you create a new vision of your parents. Your eyes yep. open a little bit. And that's, yep. I think, probably a healthy separation. So yep. even if you haven't been adopted, you yep. can still relate to Pippa's journey in many ways. Although... Oh, God, I'm getting these emails. They're fantastic emails. Like from what? People, women, like everywhere, non-adopted, adopted. And they seem to be relating to, I think what it is, is it's a woman who goes through something really tricky, really difficult, and yet in the end chooses not to take on the burdens that are imposed on her by other people. She just chooses to be happy. And I think that what's so exciting is getting a lot of emails because apparently well, the, people saying it's so good to see someone who isn't a victim. And I think she chooses not to be. She could have gone another way and she could have sunk under, but instead she says, no, I'm going to be happy. And she is, and she gets a chance, a real chance of happiness at the end without giving too much away. Yes, I, yeah, I know. We don't, we, don't, we don't like to give the plot away here. We're talking to Alison Larkin. Her novel is The English American. You can find out more about it at SatelliteSisters.com. It's very funny. It's very smart there. Are really some touching, touching moments when it comes to, you know, identity and motherhood and nationality. Allison, we're going to take a break, but when we get back, you have to actually counsel Julie a little bit because she ah. has a multinational grandchild, ah. uh, <laughs> and she has to explain this whole thing, and she's particularly interested in the British aspect of Aha. it. So stay with us. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. This is the best beach bag book series. We are the Satellite Sisters, Liz, Sheila, and Leanne here. And, you know, we're sharing our recommendations with you. But we want to know, what books would you recommend to your own Satellite Sisters as the best beach bag books for this summer? You can win a beach bag full of goodies from Oregon Chai. Here's how you do it. Just send us an email and share your list. Isn't this going to be fun? Now, Liz, does it have to be a new book, or can people send a classic? I think any we, anything goes. I say, tell us what you've read lately that you love, or if there are classics that you reread when you have time to curl up with a favorite, like say you're, you know, on summer vacation. Maybe you do want to reread Anna Karenina, <laughs> Sheila. Okay, no one, <laughs> no one wants to read Anna Karenina okay, on vacation. Whatever. It's just a lot to read on vacation. I was thinking more Danielle Steele. Oh, I mean, okay. that's you know, go for good it. Nora Roberts, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you, I like to read one good heavy book. You like to read lots of little light books, Leanne. <laughs> Send us your suggestions, and we'll post them on Sister Spot, our blog. Then we'll take all of your emails, we'll throw them in a beach bag, and we're going to draw five winners. Uh, and the winners will get a special prize from Oregon Chai. Here's what the prize is. It's a beach bag, super exclusive beach bag, with the Satellite Sisters logo on one side and the Oregon Chai logo on the other. So you guys have seen these beach bags. They're beautiful. Nice, they're they're great. Really nice. It's going to be filled with chai, naturally great Oregon chai. You'll get a Satellite Sisters t-shirt and copies of the books in our Beach Bag book series. That's right, Liz. I can tell you that a couple of the books are going to be Alison Larkin's The English American. 
Jancy Dunn's Don't You Forget About Me, and Jules Asner's Whacked. Okay. So now, those will all be in the beach bag. That is a vacation in a bag. <laughs> and if you want to get even more excited about the prize, you may recall that Oregon Chai gave us a great gift basket for our Mother's Day drawing. So just here's a thank you note we got from one of the women that won that from Sandy Kempton. She wrote, I just wanted to take a moment to write and say thank you for the gorgeous basket from Oregon Chai. I never knew I liked chai. It's wonderful. (laughs) I especially like it hot with a cookie. Smiley face emoticon. Uh, The basket itself is also beautiful and useful in keeping some of my things organized in my kitchen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Sandy Kempton. Well, now you're getting the beach bag instead of the basket, but all of the delicious Oregon chai in there. And you know what? Oregon chai tastes great iced, Liz. I know. You have been enjoying that this summer, Leanne, haven't you? Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. So send us your best beach bag book suggestions and get in on the fun. Just go to SatelliteSisters.com, send us an email. You see, you just click there on the link that says Contact Us. We're going to need your contact info, too, so that if you win, we can send you the best beach bag in the world. Our so dead- that's your name and address and telephone number. Yeah, that's yeah. the contact. The address is so we can mail you the bag. Right, exactly. Right, Sheila, you were in charge of addresses <laughs> Zip code, <last> please. <laughs> Zip- <laughs> all right, so just email us your best beach bag book recommendations, all of your contact info. Information. Our deadline is midnight Pacific time, Monday, July 14th. We can't wait to get your recommendations. You're listening to Satellite Sisters to go. Stay with us. We are the Satellite Sisters, Leanne, Liz, and Julie here. Sheila will be along in a little bit with the cozy couch, but right now we're joined by author, actress, comedian, Allison Larkin. Her book, The English American, is one of our picks in the best beach bag book series. And as long as we're casting the movie of The English American, I think it's the law, Allison, that Jim Broadbent play all wacky British fathers. <laughs> so, you know, we can put, in the, put on the kilt and go do the Scottish dancing. Great idea. Uh, Jewel? You know, Allison, I love this book because it is the English-American. And I've traveled a lot, spent a lot of time in London. My son, my daughter-in-law, and now my granddaughter, baby Alice, 16 months old, lives in uh, London. And so I just loved all the cultural references. The British father who does the Scottish dancing. And I just am waiting to see in real life if my granddaughter starts, you know, you, you know, eating beans on toast and <laughs> saying mum and all that kind of stuff. You sound concerned, Julie. Well, no, I just think it was good, the cross-cultural stuff. And, Allison, do you find, like, with your own kids, how are you, now that you live in America, <laughs> even though you have the British heritage and the American heritage, are you teaching them about the, their British heritage as well? Well, it, oh, oh yes. <laughs> We have toast and marmite for breakfast. Oh, and they, that is uh, harsh. One of the old English um, kids' TV video shows that I like from the BBC that I watched when I was a kid. And we, well, my husband has this British gift basket business. So um, it, it's, I don't want to plug it, but it was BritishGiftBaskets.com anyway. He bears a starting <laughs> resemblance to I was going to gonna say, go ahead, plug it. But you already did. Thank you. I didn't mean to. I, no, I hope that's okay. But he's got, he's got this, uh, so we've got Maltesers, Cadbury's chocolate, Horlicks, Ribena, all the most delicious British delicacies in our basement. <laughs> so the kids and I, I go down and feed from time to time. 
How do you balance within yourself, though, the American part of you? Do you do you get choked up when they play the Star Spangled Banner? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I'm always hoping it's my country, tis of thee, because that's actually the same tune um, for God Save the Queen. <laughs> right. And, and, and then I'm fine. But no, I do get choked up, and I, I feel very American. I actually have just found out that um, my great-grandmother was uh, part Cherokee Indian, Really? You're so kidding. I'm actually very interested in exploring that part of my heritage next. So that's uh, the next novel, the Cherokee yeah, American. Yeah, it might just have an have an element of that. <laughs> the but English no, Cherokee. The are, uh, they're, they're, I don't know. Is it true? It's again. This is a question about culture. But if it is true that a lot of energy and enthusiasm is very American, which I think it is, then my kids' natures are very, very American, but they're also extremely polite, and and, uh, and they have so very good the people. <laughs> right, so that's the British part. Just say yeah. it, Allison. You can, we're totally American, and right, our kids are not as polite. They don't have great table manners. But I'm trying. <laughs> but they use a knife and fork occasionally. <laughs> Has it, you know, your own exploration of finding your your birth mother and um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, Hello, Moto. The cell that phone just went off. Oh no. no, it's my cell phone. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's very busy here at Satellite Sisters <laughs> HQ today. Um, has it, you know, your own exploration of finding your mother and your birth mother versus your adopted mother? How has that changed the way you raised your own kids? Do you think about motherhood a lot, or do you just roll with it? Well, I don't know. I don't have much to come. I, I think I just roll with it. Yeah. I think what it's given me is a tremendous empathy for both my mothers. I think I have tremendous empathy for my adoptive mother because she wasn't able to grow her own baby like I was. Mm -hmm. And I have empathy for my birth mother because she wasn't able to keep her own baby like I was. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, I think I have, I think becoming a mother gave me perhaps a deeper understanding of of both, both my mothers. Um, But uh, in terms of motherhood itself, I'm just in constant awe of being in the same room as people who look like me because in real life my my parents in England don't look like me at all and and here are my daughter and my son and <laughs> they how, really do how old are and your not kids, only do they look like me but alas they are as untidy as I am <laughs> and 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 it's just but it's fascinating so perhaps there's a sort of awe I yeah. maybe I mean a w e or kind of that perhaps not all mothers have, but I think any mother it i mean it's just an incredible thing, isn't it, when you suddenly grow these two people and out they pop yeah, you don't think they're going to look like you, and i I'm sure with the I've heard that from a friend of mine who was adopted. that yeah. was the first thing she said to me. she goes, "I can't believe I have two little girls that look exactly like me. I think that's a pretty common emotion. You must have heard that from people since the book came out. Well, you know, I have. I've had some wonderful things from all sorts of people. And yes, that is certainly one of them. Yes, yes, yes. Allison, I wanted to ask about the transitioning, taking your material from being a stage show to being a novel. Yeah. Because this was an acclaimed stage show. You got a lot of attention for it, and everybody loved it. What did you change? What did you keep the same? What was that process for you? That's such a good question. And you're the first person who's asked it, actually. Really? Uh, yeah. And it's a really good question. And I think the answer is, um, when I wrote the one-woman show, which was part stand-up, part theater, 
it was as an answer to people who would say to me, what was it like meeting your real mother? And I was slightly offended by the question because to me, my real mother was always the mother who had raised me. Mm-hmm. How could I answer this without sounding like a lunatic? Yeah. So I wrote the show. And however, it sort of touched the surface of the much bigger story that I knew I would want to tell one day. And, it, and, and so what I did was I started with the premise of the show, which was also very much played for comedy, although it was very moving. People did cry at the end, but in a good way. But, but I knew I had something, but I also knew I could go so much deeper in a novel because it, you can only do so much in an hour and 20 minutes on stage and when there's only one of you as well. Right. <laughs> yes. In a 352-page novel, my God, it, it was so exciting. The freedom, I could go to Africa. I could go to New York, to London. I could go back and forth between the cultures. I could go from a, from a scene which involved a lot of sexual tension to, to one that was taking place in the past. And that, as a form, it was very, very liberating. And is this the, your first novel? Yes. Wow. Yes, it is, and now I'm hooked. <laughs> and the good thing is it's a bestseller, so that means that now I'll get to write more. That's right. That's how it works in the publishing business. I'm so, so excited. Good. I can't tell you. <laughs> What's the next one about? Well, I think I feel a sequel coming on. Oh. So there's a couple of loose ends that you may have noticed. I'm yes, not sure. sure. I, I'm going to take the summer. I need to play with my kids, really. Uh-huh. I mean, I've, I've been on book tour, tour far too long, and we need to go to the swimming pool, and we're going camping. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have to do all that. And then I know that by the time September comes, it'll be ready to come out. <laughs> it's like being pregnant, I think. <laughs> but now you're not taking your kids Scottish dancing this summer? I mean... <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> do they know how to do that? Or yes, they do. They do. We were in my parents in England had the, had a big wedding anniversary last year, and my dad had all his grandchildren doing Scottish reels, and my daughter, who at the time was four, and my son, who at the time was six, did it. I mean, they were. Oh, you should see them do an eight some reel. <laughs> you must be very proud as I'm an English American. Pr- pr- I'm sure the only kids in Jersey that can do an eight some <laughs> yeah, reel. Yeah, I think they are actually. <laughs> well, Alison Larkin, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. We loved the English American. It is on our best beach bag books list. For more information on Allison and her book, you can go to satellitesisters.com. Have a fantastic summer, Allison, and come back anytime to Satellite and Sisters. And thank you. It was a great pleasure. Thanks. Okay. All right. When we return, Sheila is going to join us after all that hard work. Woo. Woo. And trying to understand that British accent. We are going to uh, take it easy with the cozy couch. So stay with us. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We are the Satellite Sisters, and it's time right now for On the Cozy Couch with Sheila. Welcome, everyone. And, you know, some sisters... Welcome, Sheila. Well, we've been here all along. (laughs) Well, let me say welcome to Liz, Leon, and Julie, especially. And I was going to say that some sisters read books in the summer. Some read Woman's World to relax. (laughs) But let's all get cozy together, shall we? Deep breath in. Reach and snack. Snack. Uh, No more barbecue chips for you, Leon. All right. (laughs) All right. We had a little snick snack before. Mean. No, 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 oh. no. I didn't save any for you, is oh, what I meant. Oh, yes. okay. Yes. That, it's that's like it. I had one low-fat barbecue chip. 
Sorry. <laughs> so you just scarfed them all down in the other room. That's right. what you're confessing. All right. Well, Katherine Heigl's on the cover of Woman's World, and that's a big star. That's an A-list celebrity yeah. on Woman's World. Has that ever happened before? No, no. She lost 14 pounds. She wants to talk about it, and she did it through the five-factor plan. Now, I don't know what that is, but I'll tell you one thing. I'd like five of those lemon-lime cupcakes on the cover. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. But we have some great, great clips uh, tips for you this week. And um, first is smart ideas to make life happier. Who doesn't want to be happier? Um, smart new ways to use corks. All right. <laughs> corks. <laughs> Thank keep, goodness. Uh, Julie, do you spend as much time as I do thinking about what am I going to do with these corks? I'm so worried about it. There must be more it, uses I have for that. Qu- quite a cork stockpile. <laughs> smart ideas to make you look beautiful. Make life delicious, turning the can of tuna into dinner, Julie. Oh, I can't wait. And then I have a nice little feature, stay alert behind the wheel. That's a good idea. <laughs> it really yeah. is. And um, <laughs> I've made some of these mistakes before. Believe me. Um, so anyway, let's start with just one beauty tip, which I think is very interesting this week. What you're going to do is you're going to iron away a flyaway hair, and this is how you do it. Do you have one or two hairs that just won't stay down, Leanne? Right now you have a whole bump of hair because of the way you have Leanne has headphone no. hair right now. Leanne, no. Leanne. You are being rough on me. It's not going to look that way when she goes out onto the street, Sheila. It's just her headphones. Okay, what you're going to do is you're going to blast those hairs with hairspray. Not just spray. Blast them. Okay. You're going to blast them. And then you're going to take the can itself and you're going to roll it over the spot. To smooth it out and keep it put. Now, that's a good tip. I like that. I've never thought of using the can. I mean, I guess you could use, you know, a a can of soup as well. But you have the can of hairspray right there, so why not use it? You know what I mean? That's the smart part of that. I mean, I use hairspray cans for other things, but I've never thought of using it on my hair. Um, That's the way life is around my house. All right. Hey, how about um, staying alert behind the wheel? Good idea. Um, what you're going to do <laughs> is... Um, I'm sorry, Sheila. Um, wear those sunglasses to reduce glare. That's right. Struggling to see through the glare can actually cut down on um, your effectiveness behind the wheel. You're going to don sunglasses during the day and flip the tab on your rear view mirror at night. So those are two good tips. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, so just so, this about. is complicated. So I'm not supposed to wear the sunglasses at night. Is that what you're exactly. saying? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's where I just flip yeah. the thing on my mirror. <laughs> yes. But Liz. I'm donning during the yes. day. Flipping. You're not at just night. putting. You're donning. Okay? okay. I'm trying to stay alert during this report. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So ask ask our fellow passengers to chat us up. Keep talking so Liam will stay away. Okay. <laughs> if you have a driving companion, don't let her doze off. All right. Just keep talking. Oh, that's one of the tips. Keep talking. Yes. Yes. And then you know it's time to pull over, which I should have did. Should have done. <laughs> you should have did. Everybody should have did. A few weeks ago with Officer Rubbish, when you can't remember the last few miles you've driven, <laughs> that, is a, that is a sign that you need to pull over, which I didn't. But that happens all the time. You get home and you realize you were just not aware at all. <laughs> Don't of, tell people that. Liz, Liz. All, right. all the Liz, time? That's all a strong time. statement. Just, you're thinking about something else. All right, Julie, I know you have lots of cans of tuna around the house, right? You know it's one of my fa- tuna fish sandwiches, one of my favorites. But did you ever think of turning a can of tuna into dinner? I mean, really, seriously, Julie. Um, yes. You can, I'm a little worried about that, Sheila. What do you mean? Well, uh, you can make a yummy mac and cheese, for instance. Take your mac and cheese and you're going to drain tuna right into it 
or not. <laughs> No. Stay awake. Keep talking. Stay awake. I I didn't read right. (laughs) Sheila, I think you need to pull over. Pull over. Flip my visor. Oh, maybe I should put my sunglasses on. I think you remember the last two tips to glib. There's a lot of glare on the page. I I can't read. No, you're going to add drained tuna. Oh, that's, that's sounding much better now. To cooked peas and prepare macaroni and cheese, um, and then this and then is what a, do you want me to do with that? <laughs> this is an interesting tip. You're going to sprinkle with crushed potato chips, Leon. Mm. Maybe even barbecued for a crunchy topping. Mm-hmm. So that's like a whole spectacular. Okay, now I, I love this smart new ways to use corks. Okay, so get out your corks, people, and get ready. Mm-hmm. Um, number one. You can stop your pins from straying because, you know, pins and needles, they stray all over the place. I see them. They're like walking around and and moving away. They're straying. So they won't end up on the floor or between your sofa cushions. Ouch. That hurts. (laughs) When you keep a cork handy and use as a pin cushion during mending jobs. Wow. Wow. Oh, mending jobs. (laughs) I remember that. Couch with a piece of cork. Right, right. I can put that cork right on the table and not have to mend anything. Just look at it with the pins in it. It would make me happy. You'll never have to worry about getting stuck by a stray again. Never. Okay. Um, Do you spend a lot of time worrying about that? (laughs) I do. Now, you can also, oh, I love this. Protect the delicate tips of your most expensive knives. Well, I only have one. <laughs> now, this is this is a little violent, so there's a spoiler alert. Stabbing a piece of cork onto them. You're just going to, like, just stab it right on there. And you'll also keep them from knocking against each other and dulling the blades. <laughs> so... Do you ever see your knives like just, just start knocking? Just yeah. straying in the That's drawer? That's the good that... news about just having one. They don't <laughs> knock against each other. I mean, they other. knock against each other constantly. All right. Now, and also scratch-proof your, your floors, Liz. How Heavy, do I do that? Heavy, oversized pottery planters can leave marks on the linoleum. Okay. <laughs> that is a I hard suppose word that's to say. True. <laughs> yes. Now, to pre- Just say floor. <laughs> Can leave marks on the floor. To prevent this, just slice a cork with that sharp knife Uh into evenly sized discs. Oh, and hot glue them (laughs) onto the bottom of your fancy flower pots. That is an excellent idea, Sheila. After your mending, you'll have time for that, right, Leanne? Can't you buy those discs for like 10 cents? Why am I cutting and hot gluing? Because you have a stockpile of corks, Oh, that's right, Julie. I forgot. Thank you. Now, Leanne, I I saw you doing this um, today, Make Life Happier. By jump-starting your metabolism with watermelon. Yes. Yes. Did you, did you by any chance, eat two cups of watermelon cubes for breakfast? Because that's what you'll need to jump-start your metabolism. No, I didn't eat that much. You just had what? A I half just a had cup? about a half a cup. Okay. Can you imagine eating two cups in the morning? <laughs> I mean, if you that can. It does seem like a lot. It's just 80 calories, and it's delivering enough fruit sugar to jumpstart your metabolism and enough fiber to keep your blood sugar steady. Woo. All right. That's exciting. And <laughs> next week, let's bring in a watermelon. Do we have time it up. for one more? We got loads of time. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is something I'm trying out. It's right from the love and laughter column on the last page, which I usually don't read from. Yeah. But it's, it's an actual letter. you're not letter. interested in love and laughter. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, kids say the cutest things and things like this. Now, one woman wrote in from Ohio, and she was telling a story about, the, it's called, Was My Face Red? Now, it starts telling the story about how she made 
donut holes and froze them, you know, which, which I do all the time. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I mean, and I, if you use the corks, they don't bump into each other right. in the freezer. Yeah. No, I, I mean, just, just the other day. So friends drop by, like at my house, and um, <laughs> unexpectedly, which all the time happens to me. Yeah. And every time, once in a while, I rush to my freezer to heat up something for my friends. Yeah. Well, this woman heated up some donut holes instead of meatballs. Oh! <laughs> Was my face no, red? No, no, no. And oh. then... <laughs> No, there's more, Liz. Before oh. was my face red. Okay. Then she grabbed a tub of, of frozen spaghetti sauce. Uh-huh. Oh. And she dumped the donut holes right into the spaghetti sauce. Oh, oh was it. my face red. Right. Exactly, Liz. Oh, good. And, <laughs> yes, that's the ending of the story, but it's not the end of my report. <laughs> because what, what interests me most is really names. You know, we, I mean... Like Officer Rubbish, people, you know, just certain names just jump out at you. And, Mm -hmm. you you know, you just think, wow. Well, she preferred, this woman preferred to leave her initials. And she's from Ohio. And her initials are (laughs) (laughs) B-O. That is so childish that you, A, noticed that, and B, felt like you needed to mention it. And (laughs) B-O? Yes. Thinks that I needed to mention it? Yeah. B-O. I mean, come on. Just say Beth or just say, you know, Betsy. But B-O from Trillin, Ohio. Oh, that's a tough way to go through life, especially after you've served donut holes and spaghetti sauce. Add ins- insult to injury. All right. Well, that's my it. name is B-O. Is my face red? I haven't heard the term B-O since. Like, I know. I thought I'd bring brain, it back. Sheila. I know. It's not, you know, bring it back. It's old school. B-O. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. That's Ooh. on the Cozy Catch with Sheila. You know, though, I just predict next week on the cover of Women's World will be a donut hole and tomato sauce <laughs> recipe. Smart new ways to use donut holes. Yeah. We sprinkle some little crunchy chips on top. Yeah. That's a meal. Just drain the can of tuna right on top of the uh, donut holes. But don't drain the tuna in it. No. Okay. No. No. All hey, right. Sheila, as long as you're in the middle of Sheila's Summer of Love, oh, you know, Liz. the other thing, the big thing you have going on, maybe serve some donut holes to your dates. Would, it, would that be a, now, that's a nice suitable treat. for dating? Yeah, I mean, that's really all the room I have in the cozy cottage for some donut holes. That would be a nice, dip, a nice dipping sauce with donut holes and a, my pot of coffee, which you're going to hear about all right. at Sheila's Summer of Love. I'm building sort of a whole thing around having a coffee date. You know, having uh-huh. someone over for coffee. Because you know I can't serve a meal. Right. Yeah. But I have a new coffee pot, which I'm really excited about. Donut holes would be perfect. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coffee and donuts. That's wow. a date. That... Maybe you could put some pins in the cork while, uh, on the date. Yes. Don't forget, Sheila Summer of Love. It's at SatelliteSisters.com. It's video. Mm-hmm. It's audio diary. It's blog posts. It's the total Sheila dating package. So just thought I'd mention that. Woo, wow. That has been quite a show, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it has. Uh, <laughs> we are the Satellite Sisters. Remember, you can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. If you haven't visited our website, give it a shot because it's great. We have a lot going on there. The Summer of Love. The list of the best beach bag books. Yeah, send us your list. Send us your list at SatelliteSisters.com. Check out our blog. Just go tell us what you think at SatelliteSisters.com. All right, sisters, have a great day. You, you too, Liam. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.